Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm going to have again. This is Daily Thrones. A quick look at the world of ice and fire. We're on the air taking a look at some of our favorite small moments. Those little tiny quiet moments that build the show, the story and the characters. Hey, Ken, another scene I really wanted to talk about that happens in Season 5, Episode 5, and it's a scene that has ramifications for two reasons. It gives you two little hints, and it's the scene when Stannis and Selyse are watching Jon Snow train. Selyse walk, walks in and says, you know, he's just, you know, you think highly of him, and she's like, he's just the son of some tavern slut. And then Stannis responds and says, perhaps, but that wasn't Ned Stark's way. And the other ramification with the scene, Selyse also says, I should have given you a son, all I give you was deformity. And then in comes Melisandre, and she says, about Shireen, she says, she's her father's daughter, and his blood runs through her veins. And the look she gives Selyse, it's like they know that Shireen is going to be sacrificed, because I do believe that is what Melisandre showed Selyse in season four during that bathtub scene of why Shireen had to be with them. So it's those little hints. The little hints of Melisandre are plentiful, and I think when the show and the story is all wrapped up, we might be able to go back and look at a lot of little moments and think, what did Melisandre know? I'm still fascinated with the idea that she knew the you-know-nothing Jon Snow catchphrase of Egret and used it against Jon, used it to Jon. That's still one of the more freaky moments. I know some of her magic is false, some of her magic is a show, a trick. She's false and tricksy at times, but other times she is true. When she shows those... Uh, shows those uh, images or uh, mysteries and messages in the fire I I absolutely wonder what they're seeing and I think you have an interesting idea there Eric with this little hint, these little moments and that look between Solis and Melisandre it might have to do with the fact that yeah, maybe Solis saw this all along which is probably maybe an extra reason why she hung herself because she 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 should have stopped this not just when uh, Shireen was on the pyre but stopped it a long time ago so that could be uh, that could be an interesting uh, theory to explore, that what did Solis see in the flames? What did Stannis see in the flames? We know what the Hound saw in the flames this past season. That's one of my favorite moments, when he suddenly uh, can see it all out in front of him of what's to happen and what's to be. There seems to be power in those flames. So what did Stannis see that made him completely buy into what Melisandre was selling him at the end of uh, season two and after the failure at the Battle of Blackwater? What could he uh, possibly have seen that made him go, yep, that's it, we're going to be okay. Uh, Battle in the snow, victory in the snow. Was he just uh, getting fed complete lies by Melisandre, or or was that back when she began? There's so much with Melisandre, I love it. I think you can dive into those red priests and priestesses. There's a lot there, and it starts with those little hints from Melisandre. To a lot of characters, but like you said, Eric, that stuff in season five of Solis is telling. Hey, Ken, it's Vic. Just checking in. Hope you're having a great holiday season. I just got out of my fourth viewing of The Last Jedi, and I'm still amazed by some of the unexpected choices in that film. 
And it got me thinking, what do you think are some of the most unexpected choices in Game of Thrones? I think that might be an interesting question. I personally expected the character of Renly to be a key figure throughout the seasons. And in my mind, I thought the conflict between him and Stannis would play out more than it ultimately did. Also, was surprised to see Theon Greyjoy last this long. I didn't foresee him having such a elongated redemption story arc because in the first few seasons, he's kind of a disposable character. Anyway, just curious to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Nick with a great call about unexpected choices in Game of Thrones, being inspired by The Last Jedi and the unexpected story choices in that movie are certainly sparking conversation uh, at best. Uh, whether you like the choices or not, you can't argue The Last Jedi definitely made some that maybe bucked what uh, a lot of people thought would be considered normal in Star Wars. George R. R. Martin is the king of that, and I love this question, Vic. It's uh, looking at the story... As it plays out, and I think you can say this is uh, if you're a book reader or just show or both. Uh, however, the story found you first. Uh, what are the unexpected choices that the story made, that George R. R. Martin made, and in some cases the producers of the show made when they went outside the books, of course. And I think, of course, the big one actually is, I mean, it's Ned Stark. You have to address it. You have to talk about it. That was an unexpected choice because you're just so... You're so used to the hero winning. And I didn't learn my lesson from that because my big unexpected choice of the story was the death of Rob Stark. I just assumed he would get revenge for his father's death or that he would at least get farther in that quest. The idea of Rob dying uh, following the death of Ned Stark shouldn't have been surprising to me, number one. But, it, you know, it makes some sense. And it totally makes sense of the story. That's what I love about George R. R. Martin's storytelling. There's consequences consequences for your bad decisions, your bad strategies, your missteps and strategies, uh, your hubris, all of that. It 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 can be uh, it can be costly, and it's definitely costly for Rob Stark and Catelyn Stark in that situation. But I thought it would last longer. If you'd said all the way back in season one to me, "Hey, you know, Rob Stark's gonna die," I would have been like, "Okay, that makes sense." Like. What are we doing? Eight seasons? Six six season or something, Robert Dye. I was very, very shocked to see him go. What I felt was so early on in the story, even in late season three. That's that's pretty early when you when you consider it and when you look back, it almost seems like a different time. I I think season four, much like book four, is when the story starts to change, new characters come in, a new generation of main characters, and the Starks, the core Stark family, are the Starks of the past, almost. So I was uh, I was surprised by that. Um, to your points, Vic, about Renly, surprised that he went, I was surprised as well. That was an interesting, unexpected choice for me. I thought that battle would have played out long longer, and I think it's because I actually like Renly. I like Renly as a character. And I kind of believe, even though I'm a Stannis fan, I kind of believe Renly would have been a very interesting king. I didn't think he'd, he'd be on the throne. I don't think he'd ever get there. But again, surprised it ended so early. So I think that's a good answer. And I love your answer or your thought there, Vic, that Theon lasting this long. Uh, that's an interesting choice. I, I think when you go back to that first episode, um, that pilot, uh, you kind of see Theon is positioned to be a main character now. Rob's dead from that group, of course. We know that, Ned. Roderick Cassell, anyone you see in the pilot, good chance uh, some of the core characters are gone. But Theon 
uh, Theon's there. Theon's there for a reason, and he's kind of this adopted kid, even though he's a ward. So I don't consider him a Stark by any, any, any means, but I consider him connected to Ned Stark. And that makes Theon, to me, definitely a main character. So I'm not surprised to see him this long. I think I'm curious to see how he really, truly factors back in to the end game of the story. Uh, now, uh, all the stuff going on, the subtext with Euron and how does Theon fit into that? Does he, does, is this the last we've seen of his sister? The Yara no more? All those kind of things. So, uh, yeah, is it unexpected, but Theon is still there? And people like Rob are gone? Maybe. You might be right, Vic. Um, so, another one for me, Jorah. I love Jorah. You guys know this. Jorah Marmont, one of my favorite characters. I identify him, identify with him perhaps too much. But I got to tell you, I, I'm surprised he's lasted this long. And that was even before the grayscale. I, I thought at some point this guy's going to sacrifice himself for, for the love of this woman that he'll never have. And you know what? It still might be the case. I'm curious now. The unexpected choice might be how Jorah survives and maybe doesn't sacrifice himself for Danny. We'll see what's in store for Sir Jorah Mormon. What are some of your unexpected choices, unexpected decisions that the story or George R. R. Martin or the producers made? Call in with those. And don't forget, we're still talking about our favorite scenes. We're doing it all here on Daily Thrones, your home for a daily fan-built discussion about Game of Thrones and my annoying voice leading the charge. Call in. Let me know. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. So it looks like with the directors, we're getting the Siege of Winterfell at 3, and we're getting Plan B at 5, the destruction of King's Landing. <clears throat> but what do you think the other the others are? Uh, does John get a big reveal that he is a Targaryen in 1? Um, does Jamie come to terms with what he has to do in 2? Siege of Winterfell in 3? Uh, 4 is Jamie trying to convince Cersei of what's going on. Five, we have uh, the attack on King's Landing and Plan B. And then six is the thing I'm trying to come to grips with, which is, are we wrapping things up in a nice, neat bow uh, with Tyrion and Sansa on the throne? Or are um, are we trying to leave, or is that going to be the episode that still leaves something to be open for something further down the line? What do you think? Thanks. Kevin trying to work out the order of the episodes for our conversation yesterday about the announcement of which directors are handling which episodes in season eight. It's some early speculation indeed, but Kevin, I kind of like your plan. I like that you're sneaking in your plan B attack on King's Landing in five, but that kind of makes sense. Some final stand, I think, does happen in five. I think that might be it now. Again, there's thoughts of maybe the Night King's defeated earlier. Maybe that final stand is... Uh, the armies of John and Danny versus the armies of Cersei and Euron. Where does Jamie stand with that? As far as the other questions about big decisions, the biggest question I have, and you raise it, I'm very glad you raise it, Kevin, is when does Jon Snow find out? How do you think that plays out, guys? What do you think? What episode would that be? Is it right away? All right, congratulations. The show starts, John. Good job. You had sex with Daenerys. By the way, you're related. Does that work out? And he have an, does he have an entire season to deal with it? Do you want that? Do you want him going about knowing that he might be the rightful uh, king, the rightful heir, and that creates tension between him and Danny, Or is it something he finds out later because it would negatively affect him? It could affect Jon Snow. What? I'm who? I'm supposed to be what? Messes with his head. We just want Jon being what he is now. Uh, the king of the north, ruling those people, maybe not fighting with Danny, and maybe that's the button ending. 
I know we're supposed to have a bittersweet ending, but we'll see. Tyrion and Sansa on the throne? Well, that would be interesting. Don't see it happening. But that's a long shot bet that might pay off big. What do you guys think? The order of the directors? What kind of episode, uh, ch- sort of episode chart uh, are we going to get in season eight? It's early speculation. Part of the fun here on Daily Thrones.